0: the pie boy podcast. Hey, welcome back to the pie boy podcast. I'm your host Sparky and not that long ago I was playing basketball with some of the other teachers and that was fun. Um, We all suck and (laughs) it was fun to go out there and just throw the ball around and try to pretend like we know how to pass and shoot. It was fun. Um, but yeah, it just give me a little bit of um, rhythm logic, a little bit of momentum tonight to be able to tell some new stories. And I started, well, happened? I didn't just start, but I've been thinking about this idea of taking everything one step at a time. What, looking at a day or looking at your life one day at a time how powerful that is and it's a theme that's in this in this novel that i'm doing with my students a long walk to water this character character salva and it just got ingrained in me this struggle of this um main character and always having to overcome so many challenges and traumas in his life and the uncle encourages him at one point about one step at a time one day at a time one thing at a time as they're walking through the desert of Africa to get away from war-torn cities and villages that they're from and It's like if they can do that, why can't I do that with my own life and my own struggles and challenges? And so many things pop up. It's it's the book, it's daily meditations talking about this in some way or another. It's podcasts, um Headspace podcast. That's what it was about today. It was like four minutes of amazing stuff to think and get your brain going and in a positive mindset and all that stuff. And yeah, it's one step at a time. And that's how this, this podcast is the writing of these stories and putting them into the book and all organizing the podcast and writing and editing and writing and editing and all the other random thinking and note taking and talking, talking it out one step at a time. One step at a time. All right, so that being said, let's get into this story. And this is episode 60. Six zero. We just went into a whole nother double-digit category. feels good. And the chapters and the episodes don't match up. Chapter 69, Middle School Blues, is episode 60, so welcome. In sixth grade, during an advisory period, this kid started a rumor that I humped pillows. We had been learning about sex and masturbating in health class. People were passing around weird stories, and someone said they had heard that people humped things like stuffed animals, and pillows out of nowhere this kid named andrew started telling people i had told him that i humped my pillow every night he said i thought it was my girlfriend people laughed their asses off but i was so mad and embarrassed people really believed him and called me the pillow fucker Andrew would talk about it every day. He would tell people all this made-up stuff and that I was too embarrassed to tell people and just laughed it off. He told them how I gave it a name and how my dad almost kicked me out of my house for humping my pillow. I can't believe people listened to this. He was the one that probably did it. He was a real freak kid. And honestly, if I never talked to him again, thank God. I was so excited to join the band until I got in the classroom with the teacher. He was just a grumpy, mean old band teacher. He thought he was better than us, which he was at music, but not being a human. He was really hard on us and would give us harsh criticism about our playing in front of the whole class. His criticism went above and beyond the normal thing a teacher would do. I felt cruel and demeaning. I took on the saxophone, and my buddy Hobie Cat did as well. I stuck it out for a semester or quarter or trimester, whatever they were. I did the fall and winter music program and was so nervous. Hobie Cat gave me courage. He made me feel that if he could play in the concert, then I could too. He pushed me. I was third in my row next to Hobie Cat, who was number two. We became fast friends over that. The girl who was number one was stupid good, but she had been playing sax long before both of us. Hobie Cat was one of the reasons I stuck it out. I did it for him and myself, but I also did it for my grandpa. My dad made fun of me for wanting to learn how to play music. He said sports were way cooler. I gave up PE to be in band and that was tough. In the end, I made the mistake of not turning in some of my practice sheets, and even though I did practice. Obviously, I was practicing if I was third in my music row. This guy was just too fixated on the paperwork and not the work I was doing. I had straight A's in my classes, but somehow I managed to get an F in band because of all the bullshit with the homework and the practice sheets. This probably sound irresponsible, but I thought the teacher lost my stuff and he didn't like me for some reason. My dad was so shocked when I got that F and was called in for conferences. My dad and the teacher got into it a bit and he refused to give me at least a C or a passing grade. He said I did nothing and talked very badly about me. My dad tried to explain I was a straight A student, but he didn't care. I quit right there on the spot and he got even more mad. He made me feel so small and worthless. That Christmas, my grandpa got me a sheet music stand, just like we had in class. I was so scared to tell him that I quit. But on Christmas morning, I had to unwrap his gift. He was so mad. He didn't talk to me for hours. Then he gave me this big lecture about finishing things. We start no matter what the issue is and do that. So I would not regret things in the end. I learned a lot from that situation. I do regret not getting back into music till after high school. I think I could have had some success and a ton of fun with it if I could have stuck it out longer and not been pushed away by mean people that made music not fun. There was this girl group of girls that constantly bullied me. People told me that they liked me, but I was not convinced. They treated me like dog shit. They made fun of my clothes. I wore a ton of old Navy back then. I was pretty well dressed, but they tend to not like that in a country town. Makes people think you believe you're better than them. They called me Old Navy boy constantly. They also called me gay every day for months and asked about my boyfriends. They said I was too well-dressed. In eighth grade, I was voted best dressed and it made me laugh so hard. What goes around comes around. I was also a good student and they called me a teacher's pet. I was a little bit of a goody-goody, but it's because in grade school, I was treated like the problem child and always in trouble. I took advantage of my fresh start and followed the rules, played the game silently and smart. I wanted to be a good student and be treated like a good kid. Not like a piece of shit like those people in Tillamook treated me like. This group of girls made fun of me for having arm hair, leg hair, armpit hair, and facial hair in sixth grade. It's genetics. They made fun of me for having sweaty pits that showed. So I started wearing undershirts for years, still do. I also wore deodorant, but I'm a nervous sweater. These three girls were the worst in high school. They tried to buddy up with me, but the gang and I made fun of them in return. We laid into them and eventually they said they hated me and left me alone. It only took six years. (laughs) In seventh grade, we got fascinated with destroying the boys' bathroom next to the math classrooms outside by the recess area. It happened by mistake on one day when Lumpy punched the paddle dispenser because it wouldn't work right. He thought he was fixing it. It exploded, and we all thought that was awesome. Then it moved into throwing wet paper wads on the ceiling and the wall. Then it was onto the soap dispenser, and for some reason we didn't think about who had to clean it up or if we would be caught. Then it turned into roughhousing in there. Usually Lumpy would throw me down and things like pig piles or mosh pits would start happening. One time Lumpy slipped and fell headfirst into a urinal and my buddy Coop flushed it on his head. I died laughing until Lumpy punched me right in the mouth. At another point, Spider-Man shut the faulty window on my eyebrow giving me a huge gash and making me see stars and think that I was blind sauce was outside yelling stuff and we were sticking our heads out the window to see and listen to the crazy banter we eventually got caught and we all lied the principal couldn't figure it out we got off the hook and never did that horseshit again Throughout all of middle school, kids would skip often and go get snacks at Fred's Fudo Mart. Later, I found out they were stealing often until things went south. One of my buddies swore the little old man that owned the place caught them one day and pulled a Uzi submachine gun from under the cash register. Pointed it at them and said to never come back. The guy I know was involved, never did, and was scared. All of the jokers got in trouble eventually when the store finally called the middle school and spilled the beans on what was going down. The drug dogs used to come to our school a lot. Kids were selling weed in the halls, sometimes smoking it at school, in the bathroom or classroom, and didn't think they would get caught. It always stunk like skunk and diesel in the 7th and 8th grade hallways. They would lock down the classes and then sweep the school once a week. You knew it was one of the kids from your class that was about to get busted when they would run up to the window and watch the dogs with a terrified look on their faces. They would go from acting cool to extremely stressed and sweating. And we would laugh at them. How dumb could you be? These kids seemed like burnt-out 30-year-old people trapped in a teenager's body. These kids were already strung out on drugs and hadn't gotten their driver's license yet. They were the reason I didn't smoke or drink until much later in my life. I was scared to death to turn out like them. Deadbeats at 18, or 14, excuse me. Yeah, 14. I hated the idea of girlfriends in middle school. It was all about popularity. Getting made fun of it, made fun of, made it hard to to get the cool girls to like you. They would jump on the bully bandwagon or they didn't talk to you at all. I would hear about all these girls that had crushes on me, but nothing really worked out. I got to know some of the nice girls once we had classes without my dumbass buddies to get in the way. They were always surprised by the real me. They didn't realize I was smart or sensitive. Way more advanced than my buddies back then. I had been through a lot. And it made me seem older and wiser. I felt out of place in middle school. I felt like I didn't fit in, even though I did. And that was mostly because of sports. Most people thought I was a quiet jock. I was really a nerdy jock with a lot to say. I got dumped on Christmas right before christmas break in seventh grade because the girl thought we didn't talk enough or hold hands enough we never even kissed i also had an eighth grade girlfriend too but got dumped because i didn't get her a good enough valentine's day gift her friends were so mad at me and yelled at me in the hall for weeks as i passed by them shame 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 I just stopped talking to her in general. It was a confusing time. Yeah, I was pretty lost and pretty scared. <sighs> Most of my teachers treated me well and had good things to say about me. They thought it was weird, though, how I could be in this, be this nice, quiet, hardworking kid in class, but then I would flick. This switch in P.E. and on the sports field or court. I would be this loud, aggressive, and confident alpha kid. They said I should try to go somewhere with that. They said I had a dual personality. In sixth grade, I vividly remember Mrs. Peoples teaching us about the importance of turning work in no matter what. Some credit is better than no credit. The power of zeros is what she called it. Mr. Layton was my hero. Mr. Clark was a close second. They were my football coaches and teachers. The language kids used in Malala was way more dirty than most of what I heard in the Tillamook County education system. I will never forget this one girl saying that her parents had walked into the wrong hotel room and saw a couple of gay dudes buttfucking on their vacation to Cabo. I was floored. What the hell was she talking about? I had never heard a girl or any other person say stuff like that. I got in trouble in the library when I heard her say that to another student in our class because I started asking questions. What do you mean they were butt-fucking? It was one of the many moments of losing my innocence in middle school. At that point, I didn't know much about being gay or what gay sex meant. People talked down about it and said terrible things. That only drove me to want to know more and know the truth. Deep down. I knew they were wrong. They're just scared. And I was open to the new information. It felt dirty and surprisingly exhilarating to learn some taboo language and culture. I was a sponge. Yeah, like, that's just one example. People, man, just the racist things I would hear out there, and I'm not going to repeat those things, but you could do the math. You could do the research. You, I'm sure if you don't know, you ought to know terrible things. But, yeah, I just remember... I think this, and I started forming the idea that people that are like homophobic, a lot of the time, and I said it in the story a little bit. I want to unpack it. They're just scared. They're scared of what that means, and that it's different than them. That's okay. Still a person. Like I, I don't know. I started to formulate these ideas then because how terrible people thought and. Um, spoke, but also thinking about it more, they're, they're saying, um, excuse me, I need to take a drink of water, Um, but yeah, scared that they might like it or scared because they're, Some of the most homophobic, mean, terrible people are probably closeted. And started to realize that kind of stuff in middle school and start to formulate what that meant. And these like angry, scary people are just like deep down wanna like experience this, but don't know how to express it and are too scared to be who they are. Yeah, it's like big stuff, but when you start to become a teenager, you start to become way more aware of the world and things, and that started to happen for me way early on. Definitely driven by the culture and different people I was around um, in school, like people I didn't really know, but just hearing them talk, just listening and being aware, like, whoa, what are they talking about? Yeah, and those are some of my favorite moments I'd bring up to my friends. Like, dude, check this out. Like, do you know about this? Did you ever hear this? You're not going to believe what so-and-so said. But there's so much to unpack here. I think going back to Andrew and the pillow rumors, humping pillows. I told my wife last night. I don't think I've ever told her the story, and she couldn't believe it. It's funny, but it's also so screwed up. And it's a little bit traumatic, but at that point that wasn't as bad as other things that happened to me. So I would just be strong and be like, what are you talking about? And just laugh like, wow, man, you have a great imagination. You are out there, dude. You want a medal? Like, Good job for trying to make me look like a freak show. And like, yeah, maybe you did do that, but that's not my thing at all. And maybe I shouldn't call you a freak, but it just doesn't feel right. Um, just because what people, the way people made me feel about it, even though it wasn't true. So hurt, hateful and hurtful at the same time. And uh, <laughs> oh, middle school and those girls, oh, they were the worst. And Thinking of two like a connection between how those girls treated me and uh, the teachers talking about how I had would flip this switch, just go and be Mister All-American State Champion, blah blah blah, or nerdy, quiet guy in the classroom or whatever you want to call it, a scholar scholar and a gentleman, whatever I people, teachers would say, but yeah, I, how I got these people back, my revenge on those girls. I forgot about this. I was thinking about it today. I was listening to music, trying to find my, uh, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002 vibes for middle school transition into high school in the early two thousands. But, uh, started thinking about oh man i lost my train of thought stupid um oh yeah in pe once i quit band i did i went back to pe and i remember it was miss haddon's class with my buddy sauce and buddy anthony and uh snake was in there and some other people Maybe Kid Kyle. I can't remember. But I remember just going off playing dodgeball and the three girls, or I can't remember if it was girls versus guys, which I don't know why the teacher would do that. But it was probably mixed. But I just remember them being out there and one of them specifically and just like unloading dodgeballs on her as hard as I could. Hey, we're playing in there soft and teacher didn't say you couldn't throw super. I was only in sixth grade, but as hard as a sixth grader could throw it and just like blast her in the face one time in the back arm, just like throwing multiple. And I did the whole trick shot threw the ball up in the air. And then she looked at it or one of them looked at it and just blam. Yeah, I definitely took my anger out on people that way. I start to think about it more and more. Um, I did that a lot. I remember in dodgeball in high school doing that. In all sports, I do that. I treat the other team like whatever thing I was going through and just channel it into them, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And that started in middle school for sure. And what stopped People like Andrew and the girls really from making fun of me is when in seventh and eighth grade that I kind of matured and I started lifting weights and playing football and basketball and really competing and winning and working really hard and stuff and yeah I would dominate some people like my own team and the other team and people would notice and be like damn dude you have to do them dirty like that but I did. It was inside of me. I had to get it out, and they just happened to be in my way. And all that trouble and madness started in middle school, for sure, because I wasn't about to be made fun again. And once I did that, the point of the story is that it stopped. People stopped messing with me. In high school, there was a few weird people that didn't understand, but my friends backed me up and dealt with them um in whatever way positive ways Mm. um but yeah it stopped it stopped real quick once i'd flick that switch and be the sporty spice version of myself (sighs) yeah what else though oh middle school so many things there's so many stories i i can't it was hard to pinned down a lot. There's a lot of mini stories and I'm sure I could have Sauce and other people on and tell more stories that they remember. There's a whole section of the school for sixth, seventh, and eighth graders in a mixed class. And now they call it loop. And I think they might have called it looping then too, but they also called it um multi-age. And that was insane. The kids would come out of there wow, they were something else. (laughs) And some people that I know might hear this and be like, dude, screw you. That was me. But sorry, there was some kind of difference. They separated all of us for a reason and some of them good and some of them bad. And uh, yeah, one of the kids that came out of the multi-age at First, I would have thought, like, I can't make fun of this guy because he definitely had some barriers and some issues going on. And all of us, like, tried hard, really hard to be nice to this kid that was part of that whole multi-age thing. And for some reason, though, he thought he was the, like, recess security slash monitor person. And he had a whistle and he had a vest and a badge and... A notepad to write our names down like what's your name after we would like kick a ball into people or like be roughhousing or something and be like dude screw you like you're not gonna tell us and write our name down. like are you kidding me and the recess monitors were already mean anyway so we didn't need this dude on us and one of my favorite stories with him and I'm not saying it's okay to make fun of this guy, but like later in life we found out he wasn't such a good person, and it made us think a lot differently about how we tried to be nice to him, even though we kind of made fun of him a little bit. And one, this is one of those moments. So we are having a good time at recess, and my buddy Sauce and Anthony and uh, Lumpy and whoever else we're all hanging out and just BSing and screwing off and sauce got the right idea or somebody got the right idea to put water in his lunchbox and spin, spin it around like whipping it. and it got to a certain speed it would like fly out and file over people and they're doing we're just laughing like how hard like how much they were into it and just like do it again do it again lumpies and egging them on or let me do it, and here comes the freaking recess monitored wannabe kid from multi age, and starts harassing us about it. And we're just like, "Yo, like screw off, like leave us alone, just get out of here. We're having fun." And he won't leave, and he's like asking all these questions, and like, "I'm gonna tell sounds," and he's about to blow the whistle and raises hand so they see him and they come over and ask questions about what's going down and saw starts spinning it and he's like tell me what's in there the one kid and process piss <laughs> and now the water flies all over him and all the people and he like goes running and Possibly crying, I can't remember, but I know he went running and was all embarrassed. And we laughed and laughed and laughed about that. And then come to find out, like, that's my one memory I remember about this. Because I know he was involved in other weird things with us, like trying to tattle on us at recess in sixth and seventh grade. But he ended up being like a pedophile, like a child molester or something crazy like that. And I remember when we found out about it, it was in the paper or something and we may or may not have been at a party and people were like, dude, remember the blah, blah, blah kid from multi-age? It was the recess monitor. Yeah. The one you told the stories about. Yeah, man. Guess what? blah 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 blah. told us that stuff about him being a pedophile and i think he went to jail and everything over some weird stuff in malala and don't like i'm just the messenger and just some weird stuff that had gone down like what a weird experience from a funny story if you if you will Oh, middle school and the bathroom thing. Oh, I told my wife about that, and she was like, you little shits. I would have whooped your ass. Yeah, we deserved it. It just got out of hand. At first, it was honest. Lumbee was just trying to fix that thing, and then it took it to a whole nother level, and... All of us, I just realized, had pent-up energy and rage and different things, like how we were treated by adults and like our parents were really hard on us. And we weren't bad kids, per se. They just freaking were way more rough and tumble with us. So I'm not trying to make excuses, but we had to take that shit out on something instead of each other. and We kind of did, but we didn't fight and brawl like my parents did back in the day when they had that kind of energy or things going on at home or whatever. We just busted up bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes got hurt from rough housing. Yeah, and the whole eye thing, oh man, it was so embarrassing. Mr. Layton totally called me out. It's like, dude, what's going on with your eye? <laughs> Do you need to go to the hospital or something, and or the office. Did you did you go to the office? I'm like, no, I uh, we were goofing around, and Jacobson hurt me. And he's like, how did he hit you? And I was like, no. And he's like, Jacobson, come on, man and he gave us a little lecture, and we didn't tell him what we did, because we knew he would have to tell. I don't think he'd want to tell, but he would have had to tell, And but we eventually all got caught, caught kind of. They never caught us in the act, but they did call us all in over a couple of weeks, and I remember being so nervous, and I didn't think they would, but the principal had come in, and he just—he said he felt like something was going on, and something had. I think we had thrown spit wads or something, and he didn't see them or some. But we were all in there. He's like, "There's way too many guys in here for something not, not to have gone down." And uh, yeah, that was the beginning of the end on that one. And I remember talking to both principals. We talked, I think all of us talked to both of them. Oh, I can't remember their freaking names. Oh, well, Mr. Valley was one, but then there was another one. And that one I had already, Oh, maybe I didn't tell that story yet. But the other one was kind of a dummy. And he had called me in because he thought I was going to fail eighth grade like right before eighth grade promotion and graduation he called my dad and stepmom and myself in and like broke this bad news that i was gonna fail eighth grade and not go to high school and all this crazy stuff. And at first was kind of sad. But then was playing like bad cop. And was like kind of mad at me. And was like "What? how do you explain this to your parents. And I'm like I didn't fail. And my dad kind of got pissed at first. And then he called me. The principal called me William. And then he said something about Mr. Swan. And Mrs. Swan. And my dad's like "Our names are Swain. And he kind of like cocked his head a weird way. And he like looked at the paper, and he looked at us, and he started looking at the papers some more. And he's like, oh, my God, there's been a, a mistake. I thought you were William Swan. And like, Sorry, dude, not to throw you under the bus, but you got me in major trouble, bro, because you failed eighth grade, and they thought I was you it's crazy. This is not the first time there's been a name mix up with me and somebody thought I was somebody else, but he, his name was literally after mine, but I think he graduated. Cause I do remember being, I think I have a photo of him at the graduation, but I do remember. Yeah. He's walking behind me. I got to find it. Oh my God. Yeah. That's going to be the cover photo. That's going to be the cover photo for, um, this podcast episode, but yeah, he's behind me, and I remember him being there. And kind, he was kind of our buddy. He was a, more Malala folk, not Malino or Clark's. He wasn't part of uh, the Hamlet of Clark's, Clark's, Oregon. But yeah, that that was such a trip. I was crapping my pants in the principal's office. I just I knew he was wrong, but I, I had no words. I didn't know how to prove it because it wasn't like I could pull up it on my phone. There was no cell phones that could do things like that. And he's looking it was just paperwork. His computer was ancient. It was an old ass apple <laughs> with a floppy disk. Like, come on, bro. Get it together. Oh, my dad thought it was so funny too. He was like, Oh, it's a good lesson for you, Sparky. And laughed and laughed and laughed at me. Well, it's good lesson you don't and then you won't fail. Now you know what it feels like. Like, yeah, that felt terrible. I feel bad for William. Sorry again, dude. (laughs) That was insane. I went through some trauma on that. Yeah, and then I think I already talked about it a little bit, but the whole thing about being called gay and all that stuff, it was just, like, so hurtful, and I i don't know. It gives me so much empathy and so much love and compassion for people that are because of just the hate that I experience. I know it's nowhere close, but it, it's the the opening of that door of hate, that i saw and i saw i'd seen more and experienced more with people of color and people from the lbgtq plus community and yeah it's just disgusting and uh, i it's been in my life for so long like i realized that for over 20 years now there's these stories Taken place like 21, 22 years ago when things supposedly are changing, you know. But the deeper you go outside the city in Oregon, that, that's not the truth. Those people are behind on the times. Not all of them, no. I have friends and different people that are not, but majority are, and it's pretty sad. And a lot of people don't realize that when they come to Oregon or come to Portland and go, I love Portland and I love Oregon. I was like, yeah, you haven't seen everything. You haven't heard everything. Portlandia, you know? So yeah, not to put anybody down, but the truth hurts. Truth hurts. I think you have songs and vibes from this time. Whoa going to the the murky waters it's one of my favorites uh albums from this time it came out in november of 99 when i was in sixth grade and just moved to uh lost canyon malina oregon clark's four corners started going to malala middle school the chronic 2001 dr dre baby boy holy smokes I got to thank Charlie Googs and the rubber band man's sisters who are babysitters of my brother and my sister. um, That introduced us to that CD. I remember them having it and playing it in my dad's suburban and playing it at when all the parents are out getting hammered at parties. We'd be inside in somebody's room all with the door closed, listening to this stuff, not as loud as we should have been listening to because it, it was so good, but just taking it all in and losing our innocence to the world. And Let's Get High was the very first song that I heard. And it just gives me middle school vibes and the rest of my life vibes. Thinking of those, those times of just learning more about the world, about myself, sexuality, sexuality, and. Um, What it meant to be a dude or whatever, just all those things coming of age, puberty. Yeah, that song blew me out of the water. The whole album, but Act Right was the other song too. Down, down, down. I'm trying to think of freestyle to that at some point. But my dad would list, let us listen to it and he would just like shake his head and be like, wow. Your parents let you listen to this? No, but you do. You're the only parents that do. And my dad would laugh. And some parts that there'd be skits and things. And he thought all that shit was funny. And I know he liked some of the stuff. Like it's undeniable the beats and the words. And yeah, there was a lot of hateful and like crazy shit said in those songs. But that's just that's just art. And that's just a time period and a movement and G funk and hip hop. It just a, a, a time capsule of two thousands, like late nineties, two thousands right there. Oof. Yeah. And I remember being like, Oh man, nobody else knows about this. I felt, so cool and kind of isolated listening to the, that record. And then another one from that time period that was huge was Brain by Green Day. That one sits in my heart because it. I had been a little kid in Tillamook and listening as it came out on the radio, but it stuck with me. And as I got to understand the world more and and have more feelings and emotions and traumas and graces, I was able to make associations and connect the feelings in those songs more to what was happening in my life and brains too, for sure. And I pick it too because at that time I remember being like going to a baseball game or riding home from practice, football, baseball, basketball, whatever. My dad was usually always the one driving me around unless I got to ride with somebody else. But he's either coaching or driving me somewhere to be coached. And we listened to, he liked modern rock. Station in our ninety four seven NRK because they play like Nirvana and he liked Green Day a little bit. Brain Stew is a little more harder. I'm sure it made him think of like Black Sabbath and bands like that that he liked. It all was connected in some way and evolved from each other. And I remember singing that song with him. And. Turning it up, like, oh, turn it up, Sparky. Come on, the song's good. Another one from that time, uh, also, like, area association that I grew up with and took with me and could understand more was Santa Monica by Everclear. Yeah, that song always spoke to me, and it made me feel things about my past and my present and my future, and Yeah. It's just a beautiful, beautiful songs, that, and another time capsule, ninety five. My upbringing from ninety five to two thousand five, like so much shit went down, and so much stuff happened and changed. Change was the only constant, and these, all the songs and shit speak to it weird weird vibes reflections and connections but i think the time has come to wrap it and say until next time and happy hunting out there and go listen to my picks song picks of the week think about your middle school songs and think about your middle school moments and how those things connect to now and how you were shaped by moments that happened then I think you'd be surprised. It's like a little treasure chest, time capsule, hybrid. Could help you now. Could help you move forward. Just help you be a better person. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Peace out.